Hi, I'm Camille. I'm a professor at the USC School of Drama, and I am obsessed with getting to the bottom of why so many talented actors are out of work and what we can do to change that at Speak LA. And I'm Jen. I ran a secret underground agency in Hollywood for over 20 years with a group of actor friends so that we could find our own work. Jen and I interview top industry professionals in the entertainment business with a mission of learning what they know that got them to where they are so that we can share that intel with you. We are your hosts. This episode of Speak LA, the podcast, Underground Actor Talk, is sponsored by Actors Connection. It is also sponsored by the Speak LA membership, which provides you with professional guidance and hands-on mentoring. If you're serious about your acting career, join the Speak LA membership today. For more information about the membership, go to ispeakla.com. That's the letter I, speakla.com. Today's guest is Rodney Toe, who is on the faculty at the USC School of Dramatic Arts, but Rodney is also a very busy working actor. You likely know today's guest as Typhoon on NBC's Parks and Recreation. Coming soon, you can catch him on The Shrink Next Door starring Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd. Rodney was also a recurring character on many hit shows, including Good Girls, Rosewood, HBO's Barry, Comedy Central's Corporate, and Wilfred on FX. Rodney's theater work includes performing at such illustrious theaters as Steppenwolf, the La Jolla Playhouse, the Mark Taper, South Coast Rep, the Iama Theater Company, Pasadena Playhouse, and many others. Our esteemed guest is often asked to speak on diversity and entertainment as he is a staunch advocate for the Asian American community. We are so grateful to have Rodney with us today. Enjoy. How old were you when you moved to L.A.? 34. Did you know anyone here? I did. How much money did you have? Well, I moved to New York first several years before, and I had $700 in my pocket. Where did you live when you first got to LA? I lived with friends in a house. What was your first job in LA, acting or otherwise? A movie that failed. (laughs) What was your initial impression of L.A.? I hated it. How many years did it take you to get your first job in the industry? Right away. How long did it take until L.A. felt like home? Three years to stop saying I hated it, five years to start saying I liked it, and eight years to say I love it. Mm. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) If you had to sum up L.A. in one word, what would it be? Home. Oh, I love that. I love that too. That's so you great. Came to home. I love that. <laughs> Perfect. Rodney, welcome. We're so yeah. excited to have you on the show Thank today. Thank you for having me, Jenny Camille. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited. I'm. I'm. A, I, I'm going to be completely candid in saying I'm a little nervous, but <laughs> I'm going to be candid and say I'm a little nervous too. <laughs> I love it. Okay. There we go. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's Um, be nervous together. Yeah. We've been, I've just been, we've been both really looking forward to this. And um, we'd like to just start with, we always like to start right at the beginning. 
just about your kind of beginning moments, did you already always know that you wanted to be an actor? Was that something you always knew? Uh, um, Quite frankly, I didn't. I was born and raised in Chicago, a very, very, very traditional Filipino Catholic family. And there was nobody in my family. I didn't have any um, artists in my family at all. I mean, the typical like playing piano for a few years until they found something real for you to do. And then uh, I went to college. I went to a very, I went to a technical high school. So there was no arts was arts was in, uh, was there, it was present, but it certainly wasn't at the forefront of the program. And then I went to college for chemistry. So it wasn't until late later that I sort of discovered um, uh, uh, acting fell into it as it were. And then uh, I, I started, you know, I, I did my first professional production um, at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater as an intern. And that's when I sort of like, you know, fell in love with it, if you want to, um, if you want to use that, uh, that metaphor. And yeah, it was ended up being one of those things I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Mm. It became a vocation to me, not a job, not a career, but a vocation. It was one of those things that I, it, it was a calling. And as uh, cheesy as that sounds, I really do believe that uh, those of us who are doing it as long as we're doing it, if you're meant to do it, it is a calling, which is, mm-hmm. I think something that often, I, I like to differentiate than like a typical job. Right. I feel yeah. like it, uh, I don't know if people are called necessarily to, you know, whatever, do retail, but, right. uh, but I do believe that uh, as an actor, as an artist, as a professional one, we are called to do this. So. Was so it scary to tell your family that, that you were making this transition terrifying it still is to this day on some level i'm you know my mom knows this I, I'm, i'll say this to her face you know um she it, it is it's because they don't know right they didn't it's they're a product of their environment and they that what they you know immigrant families don't really understand this idea of like wait a second you've chose a career of instability <laughs> a life of instability like that is we came over here for the complete opposite so mm-hmm. like why are you so again for better or for worse i um i i yes i was uh and on some level i still feel like i'm i'm still trying to prove my worth uh and that sounds sad but it really is not it, it really has helped me sort of forge a career for myself by by have constantly having that fire under my my ass as it were mm-hmm that's really cool. Did you, was there a moment where, cause you did the Milwaukee rep mm-hmm. at that point when you had that experience mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm going to pursue this professionally because yeah. that's sort of a different, you know, whereas you can just love to do something, but to actually pursue this as a profession is, is another beast in and of itself. Yeah. That's so true. <laughs> I never really, it wasn't until I, I got my equity card fairly early because I, I was at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater and then um, the Pacific Conservatory of the Performing Arts has here in, in on the West Coast has a uh, um, a program in which they hire professional actors with students. It's the IRDA program. I'm not sure if it still exists. And uh, I it was summer stock and I got uh, I was asked to audition for it while I was an intern at the Milwaukee Rep. I was still in college at the time. And I got I got a job as one of the professional actors being jobbed in to come and work with students while I myself was a student at the time. So it was the first time that I, if I'm being uh, completely honest, it was the first time I worked in a company of people who were my peers, who are, you know, and uh, uh, both students and professionals. It was the first time I saw people of color uh, working as professionals, just a handful of us, but we were, you know, 
people of color never learned. And that was the first time I was like, oh, I can actually do this professionally. Wow. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until then that I was actually working with people who were, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I did, in, I interned at the Milwaukee Rep, but it was the first time I was at the Pacific Conservatory for the performing arts. I was actually given a paycheck, which was different than what was happening for me as an intern. So that's when I was like, oh, it was, it's an, it's on paper. Like yeah. Yeah, I've been hired to do this. And then eventually, you know, uh, I started, it started growing from there, but that was the first time I was like, oh, this is, a, this could be potentially um, a life for me. Wow. Did you go from there then to New York and then so make your way to LA? Like, I finished did... my degree uh-huh. and then I went to, I went to Chicago briefly, you know, that's where my family's from. So I went to Chicago for um, about a year and a half and I worked there. So I started doing, I cut my teeth in theater. I mean, to this day, I try and do a theater job every year. Um, it's, uh, you know, that's where I only saw myself in theater, um, quite frankly. And so I did, th- I wasn't thinking about television and film, didn't even occur to me. Uh, I got my first, I got my SAG card doing a Tampax commercial in Chicago. That was like the extent of me doing on camera work. And so I went to New York being like, I'm going to, you know, do theater. I'm going to be on Broadway, whatever. And then I went to New York and I just started doing theater. And it wasn't until late. I was in New York for about 11 years. And it wasn't until like my 10th year that I booked my first television gig, really. And that's when I was like, oh, it started to creep into my life. And then eventually I made my way to L.A. Was it hard for you to make that transition as an actor from theater to film in terms of the technique? Uh, in terms of the, it, it was hard in terms of, I didn't have anybody to show me the way, mm-hmm. right? I was doing again, theater in New York, a uh, television, at least for me and my circle of people, television was still pretty novel. This is in the late nineties, early two thousands, right? It wasn't like you went to New York to forge a career in television. There were a handful of Asian American actors out there who were making, you know, what I call an LA career in New York, um, having an LA career in New York, but, uh, for the most part we were, it was pretty pure. Like we were there to do theater Mm. and we were doing theater so far downtown. It was on Staten Island. I mean, it was so, Mm -hmm. um, that, that was New York for me. And then, so when I first started, uh, having an agent who started sending me out for television and film, I kind of didn't think, okay, there must be a different formula to it. Mm -hmm. I just started performing, uh, you know, doing auditions as if I was, uh, a theater actor and I was constantly you know they were constantly telling me hey stand still because you know I'd like leave the frame all of a sudden or like yeah. you know I'd stab myself and like fall over they're like wait a minute we need to see you you know what I mean so that was I'm sure it was a comedy of errors for a, and then eventually I just started to um I eventually started to uh take classes and and figure out and train and figure out a way of making this work for me and eventually it did but I wasn't super, I have to be honest in saying I wasn't, it wasn't a very sort of like black and white thing for me. I must learn television acting. Mm-hmm. And to this day, as a professor, I still say, you know, good acting is good acting is good acting is good mm-hmm. acting. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people have been trained out of what makes them really special and unique and beautiful and honest. And, and it's not going to win every job. It shouldn't. You know, and um, one person subtle is another person circus. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, 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 I like to f- come from that sort of vantage uh, 
vantage point. And eventually, you know, hopefully it works for people and sometimes it doesn't, it's okay. Mm. You know, I, I love, I, I love what you just said in terms of like that, that difference in terms of um, like who you are and what you bring. And we hear that a lot from our guests in terms of like, just there's like a moment in time where they kind of realize, well, I'm going to bring myself to the table and this person's either going to like it or they're not going to like it. And that's okay. But all I can really do is bring me. Um, I wanted to ask you, 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 one of the, the many cool things about you is that you wear many, many different hats. Um, you're an actor, you're a teacher, you're a director, and you do so many different creative projects, which, I think is something that a lot of actors when they're coming to LA um, and they're, they're kind of in the midst of their career, they're trying to juggle all these things. They don't know necessarily how to decide to work on one thing or, or how, like how to put their energy towards something. And I'm just curious, like how you do that. How do you, how do you bring in all these different aspects of yourself into your professional life? Because it's so cool that you do all these different <laughs> Thanks. things. <laughs> Thanks. My doctor, my gastroenterologist would say the opposite. He'd be like, you need <laughs> to relax. Your reflux is bugging you. Uh, but um, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know any other way. Yeah. I don't. I, uh, and maybe it was values that was, that were instilled um, in me from my mom. Cause my mom, you know, was a single mother of three uh, boys. So she had to make it work. Mm-hmm. right um it was one of those and i i i live my life that way i will make this work you know and um and again as a nebulously ethnic middle-aged asian man it's not like scripts are piling have been piling on my desk for years and years and years it was one of those things that i i didn't have any other choice if i didn't start working and creating for myself and wearing all these other hats and finding all these other opportunities for myself i would be waiting around 10 times longer than Mm. somebody who was a little bit more sort of conventionally and, you know, Hollywood. So um, uh, I started creating for myself uh, that, you know, especially in the theater, in in New York theater, that was one of the most invaluable things about cutting my teeth in, you know, in theater. And I'm talking about low paying, no paying. I had to pay to do theater kind of thing. (laughs) Um, And then also, you know, that led to, because we couldn't afford you know, friends of mine and shows that we were doing, we couldn't afford to have like hire like an esteemed director. We would direct. So therefore we learned that hat very quickly. And then, um, yeah. And then just, I've also been a siphon. I love, love, love the business. I love the business part of it. And that's the, you know, that's the left side of my brain that, that works. And I think that for me, I, I learned very quickly early on that we don't live long enough for me to use only um, a partial side of this, this, you know, whatever it is I bring to the world. So I try and, uh, um, I try and bring as much as I can. And again, I, I, I love doing everything that I do. I actually love being a professor. I had an actor come up to me, uh, right before the shutdown at a live audition. And he's like, I heard you're teaching at USC. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And I was like, what's that supposed to mean? (laughs) And he goes, I go, I love it. And he, I'll never forget that actor said, uh, he goes, no actor really loves teaching, let's be honest. And I was like, nope. I actually um, absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> I don't have to be there, right? I mean, I have, I've been working, I think, thank God. 
but I, I just, I really love doing it. And I didn't know I was going to love doing it. I didn't know I was going to love directing. I didn't know I was going to love doing choreography. I didn't know I was going to love the business end of things. And um, it's because I gave myself so wholeheartedly to all of those things that I, I find myself actually finding pure joy, as much joy in all of that that I do in acting. And what, and my acting doesn't suffer. If anything, I feel like that's what freed me up as an actor, being able to understand all of those things. I, I'm really moved by two things you said. One is that you said you love the business. And two is that you said you think the reason that you love all these other things is because you gave yourself to it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, because I think so many actors struggle. And I know I've I've been guilty of saying these words of saying like, oh, I love the artistic side, but, you know, I hate the business. And and I think it is a decision that we make, you know, mm-hmm. and and I really hope that um because I'm I'm inspired by what you're saying right now, and I hope people listening are too, um, to to really uh, embrace all of it and and just kind of you know even if you have to do a number on yourself, just decide you're gonna you're gonna love all of it because you'll mm-hmm. it, it, it's again it's very inspiring what you're saying. I think um, you'll have a much better time of it, you know, if nothing mm-hmm. else, and I think be more successful. But I love that. I always told I always told like students of mine, I was like you know. I wish it was just called show or show fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you are here because you want to make, you want to have a life in show business. Mm-hmm. Like that is it. It's like, you know, waking up and saying, Oh, I, you know, we don't always love, you know, the task of brushing our teeth every day, but we do it. Great. And yeah. um, for me, you know, a priest doesn't, you know, a priest who's called to the priesthood doesn't say, Oh, I love God, but I do not want to serve mass today. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just right. one of those things. Like, I, I feel like we've been disempowered to believe that the business, uh, the, the business is some sort of like necessary evil. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, that was, it was when I switched around and said, you know what, like, it can work in your favor. We just have to forge that path for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, and it's not great. It's not always fun. You know what I mean? But the only way out is through. And for me, the, I've always told people, I'm like, embrace it embrace it. It's not always going to be great. Not every day is going to be great. You're not always going to love your relationship with your agent. You're not going to always love an audition that you did. You're not going to want to learn nine pages by tomorrow morning at 9am. But it is part of what we do. Like it is just part of what we do. And once I think people can dial into that, it'll free them up so Mm. much more in their Mm. art. It just becomes a different, it becomes a different thing when you embrace that part of it. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that for to, for me, that is the part that switched in me because I, I was, you know, it was one of those things I was, you know, shaking my fists in the air every single day. Mm-hmm. And it constantly became this sort of struggle. I, I went into everything with the struggle first. And I was like, wait a second, like I, this struggle is preventing everyone from seeing what it is I really do. So for me, that's what I, I, I'm like, okay, great. I have 20 pages tomorrow. Let's make it work. Okay. I have to teach today. I have this and this. Great. We're, we're going to make it work. I'm not going to cry wolf. I'm not going to cry about it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to figure out a way. And again, I, this is how it works for me for better, or for worse. Not everybody's wired this way, but I do believe everybody is wired to, to put their best foot forward first. Like I do believe that that is, that is possible. And um, that's how hopefully the, the values I instill in my students. I know they are the values you instill in your students Thanks. because I know what a great professor Thanks. you are. Um, I, I think I think the other the other thing that that what you're 
what you're also saying, which I think a lot of people struggle with too, is just this idea of a creative life, like what it looks like. So what is the definition of an actor? Well, if I'm not, if I am not going into this audition and booking this job or doing this, then am I really an actor? And Hmm. I think, right, that's the thing. And and I think every day, right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also this other component where Jen and I talked about this once and I thought it was so interesting. Like what is actually a creative life, right? What are the things that bring you in? And just like you said, it's like, I love teaching as much as I love acting. And I feel that way too. It's like, what is the fulfillment that you get in the world around you that does connect back to your art? And how does that then connect to you being an actor? And it's hard, I think, when you are in a moment where you're not, like you're saying, you're not seeing yourself in roles or you're not getting those roles or there's not a lot of opportunity for you and you do have to self-generate and create your own work and redefine sort of what that role of actor or what what actor even means for you in your career mm-hmm. and that can be kind of tough I think for a lot of people oh so tough yeah I feel like we've been conditioned you know again I don't blame the artist in the situation we've been conditioned through years of like insidious uh, uh, training that what we do is empirical and it will be, and I don't, uh, my students, like I, I, my students know that I don't like to use the word success in my classes because success on some level, um, implies that if you forge a different path for yourself or it doesn't look some way, certain way empirically, then you are not, you know, the artist that you're speaking about Camille. So, I try not to use that word because I don't want anyone to think that if I, if I, if I hit here, I'm successful. Right. Right. It, it, you know what I mean? I, it, it gives some sort of end point to, to uh, mm. their work. And I, it, this is a life of always trying to, this is a vocation of trying to just always be better, you know, be better at what we do and put better work out there and better art out there. Um, and for me, like I, I, it, they've been, dis- we've been disempowered. And we've just been disempowered to believe that, uh, okay, if I have this agent or if I have an agent, you know, it usually starts with, I need an agent and that's going to be the key to success for me, right? Then it goes into, oh, my agent doesn't have power. Oh, my agent doesn't get me out. Then it goes, as you should, oh, if only I had this agent, right? Or this manager that has, you know, the, a name because I've heard somewhere that they've made someone else's career happen. Right. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden they land set that. And then all of a sudden they find out that they get into that sort of vortex. And then they're like, uh, I'm a, I'm a small fish in a big pond. And then that doesn't become enough. And like, it doesn't stop. Right. And for me, I, I like to try and get, again, like have people redefine their business and not try and compare it. And honestly, it's when they stop comparing it. And when you stop like trying to reach for these, these, like these albatross, like ideas of the business um, that you do become, you find yourself working infinitely more and infinitely happier in it. And your art transforms. Rodney, I'm I'm so glad you mentioned agents because that is, we hear that a lot and I'm sure you hear that a lot as a teacher. That is such a defining, um, you know, thing for, for so many Mm -hmm. young and even, even experienced actors. Um, what uh what do you what do you say to those you know actors students um 
that are feeling frustrated that either they can't find an agent or they're not with the right agent as they see it? I mean, do you tell them just kind of forget about the agent for now? Or do you, you know, what's your, what's your advice to those? I, and I, I really don't mean to sound self-aggrandizing, but mm-hmm. I use myself. I, I always, even for the professional actors that I coach, and I coach a lot of professional actors to this day, I use myself as an example. I always say to them, I go, I, agents weren't looking for me. They weren't looking for somebody like me. They were not, nobody was looking for me. Um, <laughs> they were not looking for this type. That's just not something, there was no money to be made in somebody that looked like this, right? And so I uh, I wasn't ever, it never became this thing about, well, at least in New York, I was sort of in this bubble of downtown theater with Asian American uh, companies, predominantly Asian American actors and companies. And um, it, what, we were doing it very sort of pure heartedly and we were creating work and we were doing stuff because we didn't have any other option. Mm. Right. And it wasn't like, we're like, we're going to do this so that people see this. At least in the late nineties for me, it was like, I'm just going to do this because I don't have the option of being, you know, performing on Broadway right now because Miss Saigon is full. <laughs> right. Um, so we were doing all this, the, this, we're creating all this work for ourselves. And then um, I created the show with my friends. We were going to do Shakespeare but we ended up, uh, uh, we were like, hey, well, that would be fun. A bunch of Asian Americans doing sh- doing uh, doing Love's Labor's Lost. That would be just fun. We wanted to do it for ourselves. We wanted to work together. And uh, at a meeting, I'm going to try and make this short. At a meeting, uh, one of our actors came in late and she was auditioned because she came in from an audition for a movie where the it was just a sort of a comedy of errors. And we were laughing about it. And we all just, it became an evening of us just exchanging audition stories. And very specifically, you know, stories as Asian Americans, we sort of go, we, you know, we've all experienced and we were laughing so hard. So, uh, so much about the whole thing that we decided to put it into an evening of a show. And we were just going to read our sides at the Asian American library. That's sort of what we decided we were going to do. Uh, and we, we put it into, into a little bit of sketch and then consequently somebody was like, Hey, you should put this into a show. So we reconceived it for this like little black box show with five chairs and didn't really think much of it. And it eventually became the little engine that could, and we uh, self-produced it. And then it got picked up by um, a theater company in New York. And then it got picked up off Broadway. It, uh, we got, sorry, we self-produced it. We entered it in the fringe. We won the fringe. Then it got picked up by a theater company in New York. And then it got picked up off Broadway. And so consequently, when we started gaining all of this buzz, um, agents and managers and industry people and, uh, you know, Lorne Michaels and all these people started coming to see it because they started hearing about it. Right. And again, it wasn't like we were like, hey, let's make a name for ourselves. It wasn't like that at all. We were just doing telling a story that was very authentically ours and we're just putting it out there. And eventually what ended up happening, my agent who became eventually became my agent. She came to scout. Uh, another actor in the show and consequently was like afterwards came up to me and was like hey I really loved your work up there can I take a meeting and I was like uh okay and then that became my agent for uh she became my agent for 14 years and and I owe so much of my career to her but I can honestly say that looking back the reason why she invested in me for 13 years and not was because she fell in love with the work. Mm. Yeah. She didn't fall in love with the headshot. She didn't fall in love with the resume. She didn't fall in love. She fell in love with the work. She didn't fall in love with the reel. There were no reels at the time, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, at the time, it was just like, you know, VHS tapes that were flooding people's um, 
agencies. So I always tell actors when you're dying for an agent, I go, what are, how are you putting your work out there? Mm. Because that to me is what the investment is, right? Mm. Actors call, they, they're like, oh, I need new headshots. And that's why I don't have an agent. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I only do, if I film over at, uh, uh, spend $170 to film a scene that somebody else wrote, I'm go- they spend so much money. They spend so many re- so much resources that uh, most actors don't often have. And at the end of the day, the best thing to do, in my opinion, do a small little play. Mm. Do something, create something, create something that is a representation of the work that you actually do, right? Mm -hmm. That you do your best. I don't care about someone, um, you know, doing one line and being like, here's your thing on, here's your Starbucks, sir, on a television show. At the end of the day, it shows that you're serviceable, but you don't want to be the service. You don't want to be the person who's known as serviceable, right? So we don't live long enough to be serviceable. Like we want to be better than that. I would like to think. So how do you do that? Put your ad out there, do a play. If you have no way of getting an agent, guess what agents and people do? Maybe not a lot of agents do it here in LA, but I guarantee the people that you're doing plays with, the people that you're putting your work out there with, they're they're not sitting there being like, okay, I don't want anyone to see this. If anything, they're inviting people to Mm -hmm. see this. And guess what ends up happening? You know, it's just math. The more people get their eyes on it, the more opportunity there is for people to fall in love with what it is that you actually do. And then therefore the agent will come and therefore the representation will come. These mailings and all of these things that these, these workshops that people are taking, I'm like, are they falling in love with your work? Mm. Because that's, it's a date. It really is dating. You, you both know it's like dating. Mm -hmm. You can only go through a Tinder app and swipe and look at people's (laughs) pictures and profiles and you'll be interested but right. you need to know them to fall in love with them, mm. right? And to really decide you want to enter in a relationship with them. Otherwise, it's just temporary. I could totally go on a blind date with somebody and and uh, and, and because of their headshot. But ultimately, most of those don't technically, you know, in theory, don't work. What ends up working is do people fall in love with the connection that they have with the human being and the artist? And that, to me, is what most actors fail. That's a terrible word to use. Forget to do. Is like, hey, remember you're an actor. Act, 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 act. That's a perfect answer. There's no excuse. There's literally no excuse in this day and age, especially with these things, with phones and stuff. There's no excuse for you not to put your work out there. There's just no excuse. I I don't know of one. Camille, I know this is hard for you, but we are almost out of time. So you get one more very fast question for Rodney and then... You're so, so wisely. <laughs> you're so kind, Jen, because I did want to ask one more question, and then I thought, oh no, she's gonna wrap us up. Um, I wanted to ask. I think that some of the reasons why actors forget that is because there's a sense of urgency in the progression of their career, and I'm just wondering if you can give us some just thoughts about how an actor can have the patience for their particular, the, the, their, their own career, to let their own very special and unique career path unfold. Because I think that's where the forgetfulness comes from. Yeah. Well, hold a lot of grace for yourself, number one. Have a lot of things in your life that, uh, that, can you, that you love equally, as equally as being an artist. Number two, family, friends, 
a cat, a dog, like have something that can, that you can always, a touchstone, honestly, other touchstones other than, than being an actor. And I know a lot of actors don't like to hear that because they're, you know, especially younger ones are like, I'm an artist first. Right. And I great that great. But, um, the biggest thing for, for me is, um, I, I genuinely, I don't believe I know that if this is a life that you were meant to do, to be a part of, if this is a, 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 a vocation that was meant to be a part of your, um, your future, uh, there absolutely is room for everyone. It may not be, and work for everyone. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be a year from now, but by com- constantly putting forth that artistic energy through work and through creating stuff, by putting out art, like it will, it is scientific. It will come back to you. Right, that energy is not wasted. That's science, right? That's not even Rodney trying to be philosophical, right? That is, it will come back to you. Someone will fall in love with your work. It may not be the agent at CAA, right? It may not be, you know, a Broadway producer, but it will come back to you, and you will have a life in this business if you are if you constantly put that out there. Yeah, I I, I genuinely I know that to be true. I am living embodiment of it. Oh, I am a nebulously ethnic middle-aged gay man. <laughs> there's no, there's no reason I should still be in this business. And wildly talented. Let's add, let's add to <laughs> <Thank> that. <you. laughs> um, that's a, that's a perfect, that's a perfect thought to end on. Thank you for that. Thank you. We, we always like to wrap up with um, what we call an LAism, which is um, if you'll share oh. with us, if something comes to mind, just something you have found to be unique to Los Angeles. Learn to change in your car. Oh, good. <laughs> That's a good one. Learn to change in your car and be okay with people looking at. I mean, at this point, <laughs> I just at this point, it's it is. I I I literally leave the house every day, uh, making sure that I have like clean underwear on, and yeah. I just do. I know it's just one of those things now that I, I know it sounds crazy, but some people are like, I'm not going to wear underwear today or I'm going to like just wear the same clothes I wore yesterday. And then you find yourself like in the middle of three auditions in a day and then you're changing in your car and you're like, yeah. oh no. Yeah. But I, I change in my car quite frequently. You, It's so true. That is a perfect LAism. Oh my gosh. How many times have we all done that? It's perfect. Oh my gosh. And with grace too, right? Like I can't tell you how many times I'm like, Early on, I'll like spill coffee all over. Yeah. Me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right. Right. oh my god! Sitting like yeah. on Gower and you know, yeah. <laughs> and the worst thing for me is my car is one of those automatic seats, my front seat. So like it's like one of those things that normally, you know, time is of the essence when you're changing in your car, right? So because mm-hmm. you don't want people people are walking by or driving <laughs> right. by. My my car is that one where you pre- when you want to move the seat backwards, it doesn't go junk. It goes. <laughs> so I'm like, come on. <laughs> So get a big enough car to change in it gracefully. Perfect. So. Perfect. Um, wow, Rodney, this was this was perfect. Really yeah. inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. And, yeah, th- and congratulations you. on this. This is so wonderful. Actors, please heed this. And this is also creating your own work, right? This is, to me, mm-hmm. you're putting your money where your mouth is. This is amazing. Thank you. So thank you for having me. I'm very honored. Thank you. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you. Hey, guys. For all of you who are looking for professional guidance and hands-on mentoring for your acting career, join the Speak LA membership today. To join or for more information about the membership, go to ispeakla.com. That's the letter I, speakla.com.
This episode of Speak LA the Podcast was sponsored by Actors Connection. Actors Connection offers free resources, including valuable online programs. For more information, go to actorsconnection.com and sign up for their e-blast today. Our sound engineer is the very talented Dan Leonard of homevoiceoverstudio.com. My name is Jen Jostin. And I'm Camille Thornton-Alson, and we are the founders of Speak LA. You can find us at ispeakla.com. See you next time.